The Holy Gospel for this day is from Acts chapter 2, beginning at verse 1. When the day of Pentecost had come, the apostles were all together in one place. And suddenly, from heaven there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as of fire appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them ability. Now there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem. And at this sound the crowd gathered and was bewildered because each one heard them speaking in the native language of each. Amazed and astonished, they asked, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear, each of us, in our own native, native language, Parthians, Medes, Elamites, and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Phrygia, and Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs. In our own languages, we hear them speaking about God's deeds of power. All were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? But others sneered and said, They are filled with new wine. But Peter, standing with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed them. Men of Judea and all who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you, and listen to what I say. Indeed, these are not drunk as you suppose, for it is only nine o'clock in the morning. No, this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. In the last days it will be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even upon my slaves, both men and women, in those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show portents in the heaven, heavens above, and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and smoky mist. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the Lord's great and glorious day. Then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. This is the gospel of the Lord. Please be seated. <clears throat> Grace to all of you and peace from God our Creator and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Let us pray. Great and glorious God, we thank you for this day of Pentecost, this day of mighty wind and consuming fire, this day that purges away our pain and our guilt and our sin and our apathy and creates us to be people inspired with the breath of life that you offer. In Jesus' holy and most blessed name, amen. If we were to take the story of Pentecost, which we just heard, and turn it into a movie, we would need a good director. And a good director takes a certain amount of poetic license in making the point of the movie. Luke, the author of Acts chapter 2, which we just read, also takes a bit of poetic license to make the point of God's spirit alive and present in our midst. So if we were to do a movie version of this, it might go something like this. Remember, the director has a certain amount of poetic license. The director would take us into a courtyard, 
just outside the temple in Jerusalem. This courtyard is filled with people from all over the Middle East. They're all speaking different languages. They're all dressed in their native costumes. After all, it is the holiday of Pentecost and it is a very important and special day. The courtyard is so crowded, people are almost shoulder to shoulder. We notice animals. There are donkeys and there are a few camels. There are sheep. There are dogs and cats running everywhere. There are people carrying little cages with birds in them. People are selling things. People are talking. It is a sunny, brilliant, bright, energetic, chaotic scene. And you, the director, are moving the camera right over the heads of these people. And you're ending up focusing on a little house on the edge of the courtyard. It has a big wooden door, a massive door. It looks intimidating even from a distance. The camera keeps focusing in on that door. And you, the audience, are moving closer and closer to that door until you're right there and in, without the door opening, suddenly you're inside the room. And the room is dark. You can see behind you that the door has been bolted shut. There are windows around the top of the room, but they all have shutters. Your eyes take a moment to adjust. But when they do, you see a number of men sitting in the room. They are Jesus' disciples. Some of them are sitting on the floor, leaning up against the wall, knees up against their chest, heads down. Others are sleeping. A couple others are talking to each other. The atmosphere is sullen. You, the director, want to contrast the outside, sunny, chaotic crowd with this room that has been locked and where there is darkness and where there is anxiety and fear and hopelessness. You see, the disciples have lost their direction. They've lost Jesus. They don't know what they're going to do next. Once you, the director, have that mood set in that room, suddenly you would have your special effects team going to work and you would burst open the door and the shuttered windows and light would flood into the room and there would be a wind like a hurricane coming to every corner of that house. It would nearly knock the disciples over. And then you would have a big ball of fire come into that room and the ball of fire would divide into little tongues like this and they would come closer and closer to each person and they would touch each of those disciples and they would stand up and you could see their face. It was shining now. And you could see that they have changed from their anxiety and their hopelessness and their fear. And you could see in their eyes confidence and courage and purpose. Well, that's Pentecost, the movie, version one. A good director has taken a certain amount of poetic license. If I were the director, I would take even more poetic license. And this is the movie that I would create as director Mike goes to work. I would have a courtyard, just like the first version, and I'd have my movie camera out in that courtyard moving through the crowd, just like the first movie. There would be good energy, people talking, chatting, sunny, brilliant, 
And then I'd go to that door. We'd go through that door just like the first version. We'd be in that room. But in that room, there would not be just the male disciples. There would be many other disciples in there, including the women, because the women were as significant as the men in discipleship. They just got written out of the story. So there's Jesus' mother, Mary. There's Salome. There's Mary Magdalene. And many other women who are, aren't named in Scripture. A number of them are sitting at table. They have a knitting club. And they're spinning some wool. And the disciples are sitting around the edges. And it is, again, a sullen atmosphere. And there is, you can tell, fear and anxiety with this group of people. Now, instead of the wind, like a hurricane, breaking open that door and breaking open those shutters, what I would have is the camera go back outside into the crowd. And the camera would then focus on two children age 9 and 10, brother and sister. And they're making their way from one end of the courtyard. And they're walking through the crowd. And as they walk through the crowd, it's almost like a, a magnetic repulsion. The crowd separates. So they are as far away as possible from these children. It's like the parting of the Red Sea. The children are dressed in rags. Their heads are down. They peek from side to side on occasion, wondering what the crowds are going to do. And there's fear in their eyes. They're making their way over to that big wooden door. And when they get there, the little girl reaches up and feebly knocks on the door. Peter, on the inside, hears the knocking. He goes to the door. He pushes back that deadbolt and opens the door about halfway and says, Who's there? What do you want? And the little girl says, Please, sir, we're looking for Jesus. We hear that he loves all people, even people like us lepers. And Peter says, Jesus is not here. And it's still dark in that room. By now, Mary Magdalene has come up to the right side of Jesus, and she's standing there in the doorway looking down at these two children. And she is somehow filled with compassion. And she says to the children, Jesus is here. Jesus' spirit is here. Please come in and let us fix you something to eat. At that, I would have a breeze, a wind, not as powerful as the hurricane, but definitely a wind, push the door back out of Peter's hands. So now the door is wide open, and sunlight is flooding into that room, and it illuminates the faces of the disciples and all who are in that room. They are now standing, all looking at the children. And you can see in their eyes that they too, like Mary Magdalene, are filled with compassion for those children. And suddenly you know as the audience that they have purpose, that they have destiny, that they have courage. And they invite the children in and they begin a meal and they open up the shutters and the wonderful chaos of the courtyard spills into that room and you know that it's the beginning of the Christian movement the birthday of the church the first Pentecost 
That would be my version of Pentecost, the movie. But I don't want to leave you out because you probably would like to be the director too. Pentecost, the movie, directed by fill in your name. What would be the movie and the poetic license that you might take to make the point? Because you have permission to take poetic license to make the point of Pentecost. Maybe you would make your movie present day. Maybe you would make it autobiographical. If you did, you would have to take your audience into your own locked room. Whatever shape or form that that room might take. Maybe you would take your audience into a little workplace cubicle where you sit in a dead-end job. Maybe you would take your audience into a lonely Friday night in your apartment. Maybe you would take your audience with you to sit just outside the hospice room of your mother. Maybe you would take the audience with you as you enter a nursing home. Somehow you must find a way to take the audience into your locked room so that they will understand their locked rooms. And you would have the camera focused in such a way that your own issue, whatever it is that is the deadbolt in your life, is pretty obvious without stating it. Fear, anxiety, grief, guilt, sorrow, boredom, arrogance, anger, lack of purpose. Somehow you take them with you to show them your musty, damp, dark, locked room. And then the wind comes and you find a way to show how the wind breaks into your locked room. Maybe that wind comes in the form of some person who offers you a random act of kindness that snaps you open. Maybe that wind comes for you in the form of a child in need of your help. And you find the strength to reach out and it gives you new life. Maybe that wind comes to you as you sit at the seashore watching the sun go down. And you feel the breath of God and the immensity of the universe blow upon you. Maybe the wind of God blows upon you when you sit all by yourself and you feel there's no way forward and for some unexplained reason you feel that breath of life touching you. 
Now you've got the audience just where you want them. Because now you turn and you show the audience how you and they can move from fear to courage. And you don't even have to say a word. You can do it with your body language. You can show how you're moving from hesitation to action, from apathy to involvement, from anxiety to hope, from selfishness to sacrifice. Such is the movie that you could create about your own Pentecost. Today is Pentecost Sunday, and it's not a movie. It's real, and it's here right now. The doors of our room are closed. They're not locked. The windows are shut. And yet the wind of God blows upon each one of us this day in words from Scripture and in the bread and wine of communion. Let that wind blow back your hair and send you into the week ahead, into that noisy, wonderfully diverse courtyard of people this world is, and go forward with good courage and good purpose. Amen.